Welcome, all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slashers, screams, and squeals, the paranormal, extraterrestrial, and the fucking supernatural. Talking about all the films which conjure up your nightmares, this is It Records. I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Peter Hansen. And today we'll be tackling the 2008 monster horror, maybe, maybe not, film, Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams. We'll be tackling that one, Pete. This was up. Uh, this was yours. This is your pick this week. It was. Yeah. Yes, it was. But um, before we get into that, we we left the the viewer, not the viewer. You don't watch podcasts. You listen to us. Um, with a Grizzly Two update. Um, Pete, were you going to fill us in on the backstory of why this star-studded film never got made? <laughs> yeah. Um, to give a little uh backstory behind it is that um, Grizzly, have you ever heard of it, Matt? Uh, the bear? I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> good good, uh, good quote there. Um, I, meant the, I, I meant the movie. Um, Grizzly was an answer after Jaws. Jaws was such a huge success. Oh, that, okay. So, like, the creature... 70s, 80s? 70, time period? 1976. Right after. Like, literally right after this movie was made. They're like, okay. right after Jaws was made, they're like, we gotta do Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> Got an idea. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, every, every like, scene in this movie is just, like, the big, the scariest Jaws on land. Like, it's just, like, no, <laughs> like, there's no fault, like, they know what they are. <laughs> yeah. And it was a huge success, a huge independent success, really? and um, they made the most money for an independent horror film until Halloween came out. No way. Yeah. Which was, what was that, 77? Um, 78, I want to say. 78? Okay. So it had, it's had its reign for a yeah, while. Yeah, two years is not bad. Hmm. Um, so then, that's the first, that's Grizzly. That's the first one, Yes. So, everybody's hoping for a Grizzly too. Yeah, which was like... What happens, Pete? Mid-80s. They're just like, let's make this, but with way more special effects because, you know... The you gotta go bigger. Different, like, prosthetics and FX effects, whatever you want to call them, were, you know, at the height. You know, everyone was, was on their A-game at the time. Yeah. And, but this one had a little bit of lower budget, so it had some problems getting, like, the bear shots and stuff. So they had a young Charlie Charlie Sheen, a young George Clooney, and a young Lower Dern in this movie. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm interested. They're all in it for, like... I'm buying a ticket. (laughs) They're all supposed to be in it for, like, five minutes or something. They're going to, like, a concert somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the little, sorry for my little delay, but I wanted to give a, a little backstory of what Grizzly was, because Grizzly 2, sure. you're never going to see it, and you probably never will. Um, I don't know if it's finished, but here's what the story I read about it says. Inside a bank vault somewhere, it's collecting, a dust, it's collecting dust in Manhattan, lies a fascinating pop culture curiosity from the 1980s. It's a sound. It's called Grizzly Two. <laughs> you probably never heard of the film. <laughs> I like how they say that. 
You've certainly never seen it, but the story behind it is so bizarre, even the Hollywood standards bizarre for is the norm. And the tale involves, among other mishaps, stolen money, malfunctioning special effects, and a script that was rewritten by none other than the Hungarian caterer. caterer. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how they, uh... I'll give a little more info. There's a there's a lot of information here, and I want to read it to you all. Yeah. Let's see. I'm gonna try. D- just dish us up a little more. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm on board. Grizzly's a smash hit. You got Clooney, Sheen, and Dern. I mean, was there any scuttle between them? <laughs> I mean, they all had a great time. They were, of course. Um, they say it later in the article. They were filming in somewhere in like eastern europe and they're just having there's huge party <laughs> you know <laughs> it was like laura Dern was just partying with george clooney and charlie sheen and she had a great time <laughs> oh man sounds like a great time and then it never reached fruition for budget reasons special effects the whole gamut i'll i'll uh, i'll fill you in a little bit right here <laughs> sure so it's talk about Grizzly now. Grizzly ranked in thirty-nine million, prompting producer Ed Montero to approach Sheldon to ask about a sequel. Sheldon and wife Joan McCall penned a script, but Montero couldn't raise the funds. That's when another producer, Joseph Proctor, stepped in. Sheldon agreed to move forward on condition he could direct. The movie plot was pretty straightforward. Music lovers gathered in a national park for a massive Woodstock-like concert. Nearby, oh, a giant 20-foot-tall grizzly goes on a murderous rampage after poachers kill its young as the bear threatens the concert, disemboweling oh. people along the way. The park superintendent is determined that the show must go on. <laughs> the show must go on? Okay. Continue. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to skip this part here. It's basically what I said earlier that Lower Dern talking about how great it was, like being there. She had a great like she yeah. just was very young and was having a party with yeah. Clooney and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in their heyday. Um. So, okay, all right. Were they? They weren't in the original though. No, correct? they will not. They were not. <laughs> they were not. This they would have been in the sequel. So, okay. uh, one of the bigger challenges of the 1983 production involved staging the concert. The filmmakers decided it should be shot overseas. So Proctor partnered with Suzanne C. Nagy, a Hungarian economist turned producer. This movie would never be able to get a permit <laughs> in the United States, says Nagy, now an artist and a gallery owner living in the West Village. To make a huge concert on film in a royal area... It's almost impossible getting all the environmental permits. <laughs> the, cla- the cast and crew were flown into Hungary without our knowledge, and we were left behind with no explanation, Sheldon says. They had engaged a Hungarian director who had never directed a movie before see what's coming, but no one could see what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> The director and the crew secured a Russian army base that was to serve as the concert venue instead of faking it. The filmmakers hired a Hungarian promoter to throw an actual concert. 
Some 50,000 fans showed up for the three-day event, paying around $15 per ticket, which was a lot of money in Hungary at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the bands included I Eat Cannibals Part 1. <laughs> Filming began with one hit. Some scenes needed to be rewritten, so the producers naturally turned to the most obvious choice, the movie's caterer. <laughs> <laughs> The caterer rewrote scenes, then started monkeying around with it, says the original scriptwriter. The result was distorted that they couldn't cut the film together. That was hardly the only problem. Instead of using bears, the production hired veteran effects man Nick Maley to create animatronic ones. Close-ups were to be shot with a man wearing a bear suit. Oh, no. And the bear just did not work. (laughs) (laughs) Along the way, there were... The minor issue of much of the movie funds disappearing, which halted production until Nagy could raise more money. Where did the money go? More than a few fingerprints point to the producer, Proctor, the most shadowy character of the saga. He disappeared on me. He took the entire fund, if I I remember correctly, says Nagy. I had to go to Chicago to testify because I had to prove that I was not a part of it. He got a minimum of $2 million dollars. That he later took and disappeared from this country. The guy was nowhere to be found. What? <laughs> Proctor, however, uh-huh. is much easier to find these days. He's locked up in L.A. federal prison, serving five years for tax evasion. Oh, it all adds up. It all started at Grizzly. So that, um, sorry, that, that went a little longer than I, I thought, but I thought that was very interesting to, sh- to share with everyone. No, it was. I mean, I've been dying to hear it. I've been needing to research Grizzly, too. But uh, after hearing the backstory, Pete, I think it, we need to start a petition <laughs> to get Clooney, Dern, and Sheen back on the set and make Grizzly 2 a reality. Like, reshoot it? <laughs> reshoot it. Or, even better, use the footage they had and then just cut it with the new footage they make <laughs> No one will tell the difference. Oh boy, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, I I would I would watch that movie. Oh, I need to watch Grizzly now. Grizzly one. You know, it's uh it's pretty average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for being such a hit in seventy six, it was alright. It's okay. <laughs> it's just uh, a an obvious cash grab and uh it's entertaining and it tries to be serious like Jaws, but fails but it when it fails it's like really funny and the other mm-hmm. parts it's just really boring in my opinion yeah. but uh you know there's some uh nostalgia there for some redeeming qualities to for it for people who like 70s movies yeah i'm one of them you know love them love the 70s <laughs> but uh born the wrong anywho, de- decade are you <laughs> yeah just the whole decade love it uh, but thanks for the tidbit on Grizzly too. Let's head over to Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump forward about forty years, thirty or forty <laughs> years, um, and hit on Abrams 
um, who was the executive producer of this one, Cloverfield 2008. Um, and I'll just give you a quick summary, audience, for who haven't seen it. Um, and if you haven't, get out from under that rock. Uh, this movie is about eight years old and was a huge, huge hit back in the day. But real quick, the summary is a group of friends venture deep into the streets of New York on a rescue mission during a rampaging monster attack. Lower Manhattan. Ooh. That's the gist, a one sentence little summary of the movie. That basically hits the premise of the movie. So yeah. To to deter our audience for a second, our creepy yeah. headlines, I'll keep it brief. Yeah, since my <laughs> my Grizzly 2 was very long, but I don't know how factual or credible this website is, but they say a mysterious blood infection hits second state. A Michigan state resident has also died after contracting Elizabeth Kinga infection. Don't know what that is, but sounds deadly. A, a mysterious blood infection? That's what this uh, news for site says. That's the name of the website. That is, uh, that is creepy. That is creepy, Pete. And terrifying. If, if the validity of this story is 100% honest. <laughs> which I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I'm gonna trust the internet as I usually do. Well, thanks for the creepy headline, Pete. We'll be looking forward to it next week on the podcast, as I always do. As I always do. Um, it always brings well, a tingle bring... to my spine. <laughs> it does. It gives me the chills. And I go to bed at, uh, to, at night with nightmares. So thanks for that, Pete. Uh, moving on to Cloverfield. We're going to hit it. We're, uh, we're a little late getting to the game here, but uh, we'll make it quick. We'll get to it. Um, Cloverfield. What we're going to try to hit on, really, right, Pete, is what you mentioned last week. Um, you wanted to say, is it a horror film? Does it deserve to be in the horror genre and defend it? Correct. That is correct. So, with that, can you just give us a brief rundown of your thesis, if you will? The- thesis. Thesis. <laughs> that's hard. That's hard to say three that's times fast. <laughs> I have trouble with S's. <laughs> Me too. I had speech class and as a, a youth. <laughs> oh. Yeah, me too. Me too. You learn something new every day, Pete. So anyway, we said we'd get to it. <laughs> Let's get to it. Um, I, I, I'm gonna say Cloverfield is a horror film, and I want to say many people are gonna disagree with me there, but mm-hmm. here's my yeah. here's my say. Um, I watched the making of Cloverfield after watching the movie, and okay. just from my own interactions and how I viewed the movie, um. The movie is shot with a shaky cam, very prevalent in the horror genre at the time. So it was very taking much. very common grounds there, and J.J. Abrams wanted to make a monster film because he was inspired by Godzilla films. You know, he was like wanted to make a very prominent monster character for America because Godzilla is such an, an icon. He wanted to make a movie like that, so it's deeply embedded in the monster genre which obviously a subgenre of the horror horror genre so that's that's kind of where my argument comes in there's this mm-hmm. a lot of its influences is deeply rooted in the horror genre true um, and that's where if, if I may step in 
Um, I'm conflicted with is it horror, is it not? Because for me, there's like a distinction between horror and sci-fi. And with horror, um, basically the, the monster is definitely a subgenre of the horror of the horror genre itself. But monsters themselves can be sci-fi. Like I would argue sometimes that Frankenstein is sci-fi because the main catalyst of it is science driving the fiction which is the point of science fiction so we don't really get any backstory on the monster in this so much you know like why where it came from what it was so i would lean towards the idea of that's that's a horror a monster horror film you know it's the supernatural it's the uncanny you don't know where this thing is coming from or really why it it is vengeful towards the human species so i would lean towards agreeing that it's the horror genre but i I wouldn't say all monster films for me fall in that genre. That's fair. Genre, genre, genre. I feel like I said that eight <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> it is. Uh, it does bleed sci-fi very heavily, so I would uh, agree with you there. That mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a. It's a yeah. really good. I think it's actually a pretty good mix of the two. I do too. I and that's what I kind of came upon when I was reading because originally I was like, this isn't horror, but. Um, if I can, um, when I came upon some of my research and my readings that really kind of pushed me over the edge that it, it is in that horror field is horror is particularly a self-reflexive form. Um, it often takes on direct references to its forebears, acknowledges its place in a larger tradition, if only to invert or undercut the assumptions and expectations of earlier works, which is exactly what Abrams was trying to do, is what he said with Godzilla, and he wanted to make that an American version, so he he held uh, very strongly to um, the past traditions of the horror genre, of the monster genre, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, I guess in that capacity that it made me believe more that it was horror than a sci-fi movie, because it doesn't necessarily delve into the science as much. Really, not at all. It's really these main characters struggling to survive against an invasion. Yeah. From a, a very unique perspective at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Um, with that, should we kind of, I guess, get into the plot of the movie and how it... Why we think it's horror, why we think it's not horror, I guess, so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, I think um, we could just, like, kind of discuss the plot Except- pretty normally and just exemplify the parts that stuck out for us the most. Yeah. Um... I guess, I don't know, for me, one thing that I was trying to grasp onto, um, the characters, Pete, how did you feel about the main characters in this film? Were you pull, do you feel sympathy for the victim? Were you drawn to the, the main characters? Or were your feelings towards them? I think for the most part you are pretty drawn to them as um, they do seem kind of not annoying but they seem I don't know there's like a weird way to describe them but they're they're done better than most let's say like comparing it to like a subpar horror movie you care about them more because they seem a little more fleshed out but they mm-hmm. still do like kind of annoying things like the main guy can't think of his name at the Rob. moment Rob thank you mm-hmm. he is the most annoying character to me Oh, very much so. And I, Sorry, I agree. <laughs> really enjoy HUD, even though he's, like, the comic relief the whole time. 
were yeah. T.J. Miller. Yeah, great, great guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Um, he just you know it's a good. I like that he's there, and he kind of like he kind of brings you down from being serious. And then it sets you up for a moment to be tense again. Okay. I can see that. Um, now that you explain it that way. I, I guess my initial second viewing, I mean, this time around, I, I haven't watched it probably since it came out, is when I was when I was dealing with the characters and trying to get into their heads, um, I felt that they were kind of one-dimensional. and Maybe it was just my drawn towards Rob. I was kind of annoyed with that he had to, and everybody followed him. Like regardless of the situation, and I guess what best exemplifies that is an is an article I have here from the New York Times, and when they were talking about it, um, given to uh, this is uh, given to me by um, a great person behind behind the podcast, Lindsay Clark. Um, everybody, she's uh, she's a great help to the podcast, but she she gave me this article here, and what it says is they thought the filmmakers might be trying to make a point with the shaky cam using it to maybe as a contemporary compulsion to record the world or how it's dulled us to actual lived experiences, sort of. And once these things happen, um, how do we react to them? Because smartphones were coming out, um, you could you had all the digital cameras and how it really reacted, how we reacted to these things, but it really wasn't a... didn't take a stance, I, I guess, thematically on that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I think I kind of got it. I thought there would be more of a deeper meaning behind the shaky cam or just how we react to these certain things. Maybe it was like a societal mirror, but it just seemed like it was a way to film the, film the movie. I think it's a little more than that, as um, I would argue that as a monster film, like you said earlier, that the characters are pretty one-dimensional, which is... Mm-hmm. Very true for, I would say, probably about 99% of the monster films out there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the host uh, from South Korea might be yeah, that's true. Uh, one to, to go against that. But other than that, I can't really think of one. Where um, I think the shaky cam is a, a great way to tell a story in this movie because um, you are experiencing this attack from the point of the view of the humans. So it did give them kind of like a lot of teasing moments of them not really showing the monster, which I think was a good thing for this because they had enough creepy moments to kind of surprise you. Whereas, you know, Godzilla movies... Besides the newest American one, they just, it's, oh, Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, picking up buildings and destroying, uh, that's true. King it Kingdra more... or Mothra. <laughs> Mothra. No, that's a good point, I guess. Without showing the monster too much and coming literally from the point of view of the victim or main characters. Um, you're put in their shoes. It's more suspenseful because the monster's not there, and it's about them and their reactions. So that's a that's a good point. I didn't think of it too deeply in that sense, but I like that. I would say the scene that rang the most true for it being a horror was when they're underground in the subway. Sure. I yeah. uh, really like that. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So the camera, yeah, the light not working on and off, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and the the little monsters that fell off of it were cool and interesting to me, and yeah, brought like a new kind of uh, like a little more mystery to the monster. You're like, what the fuck is this thing? And they kind of raise qu- that's true. They kind of raise questions. They kind of tease you. Here's a, you know, a little, I guess a little spoiler here. I mean, this movie's a little old, but I guess it's possible for people not to see it. <laughs> that they kind of like question the existence of the monster. Like, oh, how to get how to get to be here? Is it an alien? Is it a, a government uh, experiment? Or is it, ooh, is it from Earth? You know, you know, it just it was laying dormant for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you never really get a full answer yeah. on on that, which which I get. It did build the suspense a bit and the menace of of the creature. Um, I did feel that it, the monster, I should not the creature was was more terrifying or menacing because of the unknown. It, it never was. There was never that conclusion scene of oh, it's because of this. It's this, and this is the weakness of it. You know what I mean? Where I was constantly sort of like, what's going to happen next? What is this thing? That's a good... That, that's something. And that's uh, another one of my favorite parts that is really horror to me is that when they find, like, the army in, like, right after... And uh, Marlene... Lizzie Kaplan? Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan Marlene is mm-hmm. uh, her character in the movie. Is that she starts bleeding from the eyes and she's, like, infected from the the bite that she got earlier and then yeah. they, they're like oh we got a bite over here quarantine quarantine <laughs> yeah and they just take her away take her behind the scenes uh, behind a sheet and she just like, explodes yeah. to like blood yeah. and then when I first saw that I was like oh shit what the yeah, that... fuck is happening like I just mm-hmm. I know I just really I just really like that scene we got four civilians here roger Let's go, move, move. Okay, okay. Let's go. Okay, okay. Excuse me, sir. Sir, excuse me. Listen, we need your help. Our friend, she's hurt. She's trapped in her building right by here at Columbus Circle. Yeah, that is not where you want to be right now. Do you guys know what it is out there? Do you know what that thing is? No, they ain't telling me. Whatever it is, it's winning. Oh, oh, look at that. Gross. Uh, please, we can't stay here. We have, sir, we have two F-18s on route from Stalfridge. Four more are arming up, maybe 30 minutes out. Listen up, people. Rack them and pack them. We're Phantoms in 15. They helped you find them. They were in the tunnel, sir. We had to go. Thing is dying and it's my fault. She should have been with me tonight and I let her go and and I get it. Okay, you have your hands full. I get that. I get that. But we're gonna go after her and if you want to stop me, then you can have a shoot. Hud, I don't feel so good. Shit. Bart, we 
intensity of that scene uh, oh but Pete you mentioned the, the tunnel scene earlier yeah um, I was gonna say uh, it, it was reminiscent for me of the descent when uh, they light the flare I know you're a descent fan I am and you see, uh, you see the creature for the first time yeah yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah it was very reminiscent of that and both both scenes terrified me <laughs> <laughs> Those scenes made me jump. I would say uh, the set one made me scream like a girl, and uh, the Cloverfield one, I'd be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so there's, you can draw a distinction yeah. between. Okay. <laughs> um, Alright, um, we're running a little long than usual, but I think we should hit on, we've hit the plot and we thought it was horror, but the build-up to this movie... I think that's kind of necessary. Um, I remember in in high school this being a big thing, the whole marketing hype behind it, what is the movie. Um, so, yeah, we can get into that a little bit. And you watched, we said you watched The Making of Cloverfield. I, Did they give any... They they showed a lot of, like, the filming process of how secret they made everything. They had, like, code mm-hmm. names for the movie where it was called Slusho in L.A., and yeah. when they shot in New York, they called it cheese. So, like, whenever they would gather up and there'd be crowds shooting it, like, oh, do you know what we're filming? They're like, yeah, you're filming cheese. So they're like, you know, J.J. Abrams likes to uh, keep his project secret, which is yeah. could annoy people. But, you know, I actually really like that he tries to do that because there's not a whole lot in the digital age that you don't know. Definitely. And uh, I kind of appreciate that for uh, when it's a movie. I do too, because the internet is, you can find any, like, every single day of, of shooting, hear something about it, and there's eight different trailers a year and a half before it comes out, and you kind of get the gist of what's going on. It's kind of nice when you kind of go to a movie, you've only seen a small teaser trailer, and you're kind of left to just see what the movie is. It's kind of a nice experience, which I guess was the big hype behind this. I mean, and you're talking about code names, Cloverfield was a code name for this movie it wasn't the original title that is correct yeah. wasn't it was it the date 11808 I believe that or, was supposed to be the original name and they kind of it's kind of weird how it, the name came to be is that it was just called Cloverfield because I believe it's because that's the street the bad robot J.J. Abrams company that's the street they're on yeah so mm-hmm. that's I guess that's why they went with it <laughs> is it is it 10 Cloverfield Lane by chance <laughs> I mean it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard that too. Is um, that's where Bad Robot is? Is it's on Cloverfield? Um, but yeah, and that's the name of what they called Manhattan. And for, it's fictionally in the movie, what they called Manhattan after they bombed it was the site area. Oh yeah. Like you can see that. Like these are 
um, like in the government docks before. Kind of like this used to be Manhattan, but we had to bomb all this. So it's kind of like it was the code name, like Manhattan Project back yeah. in the day, is Cloverfield. Man, I really like that they did that, but I'm so mad that they weren't able to explore that more. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we could. T- I know you told me earlier before we recorded that you saw this. I'm not going to say sequel, but 10 Cloverfield Lane, or Clover Lane, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, just Ten to Clo- kind of, like, give a little comparison thing, but yeah. um, I wish they could have, you know, explore Cloverfield deeper with a sequel a lot sooner. Yeah, eight years later, came out. Well, I guess he was busy with Star Trek and Star Wars. Yes. A uh, yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um. No, I, I did see it. I'll just go into it now, I guess. That's cool. The 10 Cloverfield Lane, and just sort of how it relates. Yeah, I, just, I have a, a lot of trivia, but that comes later, as a, as if you follow the little script. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, but I'll just dish out to the viewer if you're interested in 10 Cloverfield Lane or how it's a sequel. I, I would say it is. It's... It's almost like it's not a direct sequel, but it does take place chronologically after the first movie. And I'm not going to give any spoilers because it just came out. But I know it's described as a spiritual a spiritual successor to Cloverfield. Yeah. Um, Same director, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, I I would say if you liked Cloverfield and you're skeptical of what Ten Cloverfield Lane is or what it's going to be. It may not answer Pete like all the questions that you're wondering. Um, like he wanted a sequel quicker, but I would definitely recommend Ten Cloverfield Lane. It takes off right where the the last one ended, with different characters in sort of a different area. Um, and I thought it was very well done. It was very suspenseful um, the entire time. Um, I was on board for the whole movie, um, but it does have a pretty nice reading on Rotten Tomatoes as well should I mean I thought it was I mean I don't want to dish Cloverfield that we're on but 10 Cloverfield Lane I liked better than Cloverfield maybe it's just because it's I don't know it's it looks fresher that's it's newer but I was just more engaged in the plot in this one okay and I don't want to give any spoilers but you might get more answers Pete in the future Interesting. If you're looking for answers. Um, so yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane it isn't a direct sequel, but it, it is a, for, a continuation of the story, and I recommend it. Um, so yeah. Um, that's the sequel, but real quick before we do trivia and such, Pete, um, little, one more thing on the marketing stuff, but, or before the filming. Yeah. Did you, did you hear about the auditions? Did you read up on that? Yeah, that um, they gave them, I believe it was, like, scripts for, like, Alias or something like that they gave to Lisa Kaplan, and and then she didn't really know what she was auditioning for, and then they, once that she accepted, that they chose her and accepted it, they were like, okay, this is what you're doing, because they kept it so secretive, and I know on set that they had to burn the wardrobe each day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were very secretive and intense about it. I remember Lizzie Kaplan saying that she didn't want to do a movie if she had to audition like that again. <laughs> so she was saying, 
because she had no idea what she was doing. It was completely different, and they had to, they had to keep mums the word about it. But yeah, this was definitely a unique project, very secretive and well thought out, really. The entire time. If you uh, looking looking back at it again, is that I was like, man, this feels very like disheveling, like how this is this uh, plots are unfolding. That's because um, a lot of research from this movie came from YouTube videos of when nine uh, eleven happened, and then mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that makes so much fucking sense." <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, hell yeah. So I thought it was kind of interesting to ha- that they actually had some of the actors uh, do some camera work for themselves, like, uh, oh. Like, not all the time, but they did do it, especially if you think of when they use the inserts, uh, when they go to, uh, Coney Island. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they shot... Beth and Rob. They shot a ton of stuff for that, and barely used any of it. And cool, really? Yeah. Yeah, they used... It's like, yeah, there's only, like, maybe... Like, ten, ten seconds altogether that they use in the movie. Yeah. I probably should have a whole day. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That also this movie had two alternative endings. Oh, I think I've heard. Yeah, go ahead. I think I've heard one of them. They're they're not very different. They're just kind mm-hmm. of like they knew how they wanted to end it, but you know, with the la- um, one of the endings shows that. Um, a guy actually finds the camera and you could see him cleaning off the lens very quickly. That is one of them. And it ends okay. with a different insert from Coney Island. But the one that okay. they chose yeah. was um, the one where you could actually see a satellite dish crash into the the ocean, which people like to theorize that that's what awoken the monster yeah that, I, I read up on that one yeah because it, it was one of the the satellite companies that they was in the marketing hype or whatever uh, or it was the the company that Rob was going to go work for I read up on that one of the articles that uh, Lindsay sent over Rob was going to Japan right that was the whole going away party yeah yeah to a company and they made one of the things they made was satellites, and people theorized that that was one of the satellites from the company that Rob was going to work at, and that's what awoke in the monster. Oh, I didn't. I haven't seen that one where it was the the same company, but that's pretty interesting. I think it's all sort of hypothesized. Yeah, through, yeah, that makes sense. Through marketing, yeah. One of the marketing things that I've uh, that was kind of weird, but probably good for the time, is that main characters made a MySpace page. And all the yeah. characters last logged into them when the movie was released. So I was like, ah, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Almost has like a Blair Witch ring to it. The whole oh yeah, marketing campaign for this and oh. the, the filming of it. Absolutely. I heard in one of the things that I read that it, it's Jurassic Park meets Manhattan uh, meets the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> was someone's review of what it. A, what a weird comparison. <laughs> yeah. And it was all caps, too, so they were excited about that review. 
one of the little trivia I like to end on. You know what? Actually, I'll give you two. <laughs> I like this one because uh, the running time in the film without credits is about 80 minutes, which is the length of a long time running mini DV tape, a common format used for video consumer camcorders. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that was, I thought I was like, oh, I wonder that was carefully sure crafted. That <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't that along those same lines? Wasn't there a horror movie that came out called Eighty Minutes or something like that? Oh man, where, um, where it was like it's supposed to be one shot of like a handheld camera, like following this person in a house? That one sounds pretty familiar, but I can't, I can't. The name escapes me. I think it was literally called Eighty, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Podcast listeners, don't quote me on that. But the the last one I like to end on was a. Uh, after the closing credits, there's a mysterious broadcaster voice. When it's played in reverse, the broadcaster says, It's still alive. What? And it's, no, I... It's absolutely true. You did it? I, uh... You double-checked it? I double-checked it. Um, I, yeah. I watched the movie to the end, and then you hear, like, a weird thing. And then mm-hmm. I looked it up on YouTube, where I heard this the same bit... And then the guy just like, okay, I'm going to play it in reverse. And plain as day, it's still alive. Oh. How about that? It, it, well, it was. Hmm. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Thanks for that trivia fact, Pete. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I, had, I, don't, right. I found a lot for this movie. There was, yeah, me too. I cut out... A lot from my notes. <laughs> I feel like I could, yeah, I could go on for like three hours on this movie. Just, just in the backstory, going into it. Yeah. Would you um, defend or destroy this movie? That's tough. You know, oh man, I'm gonna go with my gut just on my second viewing and say destroy it I'm gonna destroy it I mean it's not bad but I'm uh I lean I lean towards destroy instead of defend just because I felt watching the second time I felt let down maybe character development or the story but I was more intrigued by what went into the movie than the movie if that makes sense so I gotta destroy I, I would feel destroy. that a lot of, I would say a lot of the general public would agree with you there, mm-hmm. because I remember even, I didn't see this movie right away, I saw it years later, mm-hmm. and uh, my friend told me, he was like, oh, you should watch it, I think you'll like it, and I just remember people being disappointed with it, and so I went into it knowing the hype just ruined the movie. And I wa- when I wa- I even even in the second second viewing because I believe I've seen it like two or three times I can't really remember. I still enjoyed the ride, even though Rob was a pretty painful character. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he wouldn't be terrible, but he's just so annoying with Beth. Like my mm-hmm. God, like. Give up already, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started to not care about their relationship like forty minutes in. 
And I was like, just just leave the island, man. Just go. Just go. Yeah, if they found a different reason to kind of keep him there, it would have been a lot better. But mm-hmm. his push his push for her got his brother killed, got mm-hmm. his brother's girlfriend maybe survive. I don't know if she was in the helicopter that got slapped by the monster. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure either, yeah. She might have made it out. Um, Lily, right? Leslie Kaplan exploding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, HUD, probably the most likable character possibly, gets eaten eaten by the monster. And Mm -hmm. they themselves get buried by rubble to an uncertain outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Alright. But with that being said... I defend it. (laughs) (laughs) All in all, I defend it. Fair enough. No, it it was tough for me, but I think with those, we it's so hard. I mean, we have to have some destroys, you know. And this one, I did. I felt more heavily towards the destroy. I had to do it. I had. I had to throw the hammer down. You know, that's fair. Um, I think yeah. For me, you know, it still gets a a passable. You know, it's it just squeaked by. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But then I would destroy it. (laughs) 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 But with that, that will conclude this week of It Records and our analyses of uh, Cloverfield. So, until next week, where, Pete, do we have something ready ready for the folks? Or are we going to leave it up in the air until we send out a mini-episode? We're going to leave it up in the air. Maybe we're, we'll go to it a little bit in the mini-episode that's coming up. Yeah, you hear that, folks? <laughs> mini-episode. We're going to drop that for the first time. <laughs> in between our bi-weekly episodes, uh, we're going to try to, every once in a while, bring a mini-episode to you, which is condensed form of what we normally do, and talk about maybe a subgenre of horror or decade of horror films or just what our favorite horror films is bring some guests on but just for your listening pleasure it'll be a little condensed form and uh, we'll be bringing those to you shortly yeah and that was beautiful said couldn't yeah, couldn't say you. it better than myself <laughs> yeah oh thanks pete you're always too kind <laughs> with that though look forward to the mini episode we'll be telling you what we'll be doing in our next long bi-weekly episode Until then, I'm Matt Johnson, Remain in the Shadows. I'm Peter Hansen, and you could find us on our WordPress website at It Records. And we're going to be filling that more as time goes on. So, I hope it's great. (laughs) I hope it's great. It'll be good. No. <laughs>